last time on Base Funk. So basically, you're either tapping to the wild magic or tapping into Ganador in order to cast a spell. You have to choose between one or the other. Lucas? The only person I know who that might be referring to would be uh, Luke Rosemary. Uh, I believe he was Warden Light's departed husband. I am going to try and convince Wolf that I was Garrick all along. Holy cow on toast. And that way, when we kill Garrick, (laughs) there's no problem. And you look down and you are holding uh, a black sword (laughs) with an eyeball peering out from the hilt. I get it. I cast a 30-foot cone (laughs) of fear for one minute. As he sees himself back at at his home, back in the Ninsen Temple... In the kingdom of Agirthan. Okay, so he falls prone and is incapacitated and unable to stand up. I'm not here to debate the ethics of my actions. Lyra struck first. The god of winter defended me. At least be proud of your kills. If you think you did the morally right thing, stand up for yourself. I am proud. Bad people deserve to have bad things happen to them. I think Dora, without asking anyone, is just going to rip it off. If you take that from me, you have killed me. Fine, I'll kill you then. <laughs> Take off his mask. <laughs> you were dead already. All right, so you kill Garrick the Great? I guess so. Why don't you guys roll maybe Arcana or Religion to try to figure out what's going on here? Because the Hydra is going to kill Veltari. Or it's connected to the Snowflake. The powers of a god would explain the ability to grant totems to other people, wouldn't it? You're just going to no-sell a mauling by this animal totem of a god. Yes. Okay, yeah, I hand over the mask and uh, <laughs> and the snowflake. Distinction here is you get the alien artifacts to Penny, you get your triad armor stuff back. Yeah. The snowflake was specifically a couple times we've referred to how do you kill an angel? Yeah. How do you kill something like Lady Nim? And the answer was something made by a god. I mean, unfortunately, Roland's in a situation where he's too desperate to allow any of the artifacts to be handed off. You have put me in a position where you have put what you need over what I need, and I'll back down and I'll let you have it, but if a, if another item of a god turns up, that's my version of that set of armor. And she's just having essentially a panic attack. Uh, the voice of Gondor speaks to you and says, Retrieve an item from Lady Nim, and I will save you. I think it's time that I hang up my rescuing people days but I'm going to entrust them to you. You want me to be the hero? I want you to be the hero. Um, And then I'm going to work on Zoe's sweet Ganny outfit. Tell the traveler that war is coming. So I guess it wasn't Veltari. Roland praying in front of his gleaming white armor and Dora just humming a song and sewing a creepy dress and her god is just chatting to her and yours is silent. So we were talking about Leon's contributions to this season. Oh, geez. 
after his absence because the character he created to be his uh, vampire sire has kind of turned out to be a big antagonist, which wasn't really planned. It just kind of happened. Um, but I have a story about what could have been, which I don't know when is the appropriate time to tell it, but it seems like that's where the conversation was leading before we hit the record button. So like a couple months before this season started, um, when everyone was turning in their character sheets for this season, so I could start doing for like pre-production, um, Leon came to me and he said, all right, so my character is Bumbershoot Von Victrola, a vampire, and he has a nemesis called Mr. Garlic. <laughs> and I said, well, that's my fault for having Leon on the show. <laughs> that's something I have to live with. Is that where Garrett came from? That's right. That's where the name came from, yeah. So my plan was to have Mr. Garlic be Garrick and have that just be a personal like pet nickname that Bumbershoot calls him for fun. But then several weeks after that, Leon got back to me and was like, actually, I changed my mind. That's too silly. Here's the, my new story with Count Danto and Raven Stern, which he told in episode one. So like Mr. Garlic is not an actual thing in the universe, but the name ins- did inspire who ended up being Garrick. So that's a fun fact for everyone. I love Leon so much. And really to his benefit, he did ultimately propose and design what seems to be sort of the big antagonist in the grand scheme of things right now. So, I mean, I mean, credit to him. I mean, that was at least, you know, Danto as a threat is very compelling. I'm glad you think so, because uh, everyone who follows my work knows that I just go where the story takes me, so I don't have, uh, like, Ganondorf waiting. And, 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 if, and if necessary, you can just pull a character from my backstory and drop their person and or corpse in the middle of the party. That's always <laughs> a good way to drive the story forward. Listen, there's going to be a lot more corpses before this is through. Hell yes! Oh, jeez. Oh, no, no. Uh, see, as soon as you just say that, people are going to reference Corpse Party. We're not going down that road, okay? Underrated. I'm pretty sure someone's willing to make an RPG maker visual novel based on this <laughs> with, like, 90 bad endings and one good ending, which is also bad, you know? It's all bad endings, and then there's a harem route. Because, of course, there is. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good joke for visual novel fans. All right, so first scene of what is a downtime episode between missions this one covers less time than previous ones because there is a pressing plot thing happening which is that zoe legrand is marked for death so let's start there because theodora you were sewing zoe a uh, i believe chris referred to it as a black spider-man costume (laughs) and i kind of want to get that scene between the two of you well i mean from a design standpoint this is all up to chris let me see. I gotta make this anime as fuck. So I guess it needs to be like uh like a black trench coat in there. Okay. Maybe like a cowboy hat that's been like a little bit worn, so it's got like that kind of ragged look to it. Mm. And then uh pants with a lot of zippers. Uh uh like an eye on the back of the jacket. Yeah, I could see that. See, I was thinking like goth lowly. You know what? We we could. There's got to be a fusion of the two that we could definitely go with. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, goth lolly, but then with a cowboy hat on top. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the cowboy hat is an essential part of the look. You know? Please don't ever say goth lolly cowboy on my podcast again. <laughs> 
Hey man, I just I'm just like you. I'm letting the story go where it's naturally going. <laughs> oh no. Uh, this is this is just this is the best reality. That's all I'm gonna say. Something is vibrating outside my house. That's hot. <laughs> all right, so I think. Zoe, you just go home and suit up and maybe get some stuff because you have a mission to do, which is you need to get an item from Lady Nim so that Gonador can save you from her. Yes. So first of all, we're going to start with you. What did you get for your level up and how does that affect your class split? So it was only natural since when I took this level, I would have to choose between taking a warlock level or taking a sorcerer level. That since Zoe is, is sort of looking to Gondor for help in this moment, she she would go further along that path. So I took another level in Warlock, uh, and the basic benefit that she gets from it right now is gaining access to a new cantrip and a new spell. And for those, I took the cantrip of Minor Illusion, and the spell I took was Mirror Image. So you can see kind of a bit of a theme going on with that of like trickery and illusions, which... Somewhat kind of contrasts the fact that most of Zoe's stuff as a, a sorcerer was just like direct damage or just a very like immediate, straightforward kind of effect. This is like the sinister machination power side of things. And we call that ludonarrative synergy, <laughs> I think is the antonym for ludonarrative dissonance. So that the game mechanics are supporting the story we're telling. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything you want to do before actually just walking into Lady Nim's office? Oh, I could just sneak right in. She wouldn't immediately be suspicious of you walking in. I think if you if you have done this like a bunch of times, she might get frustrated. But this will be the second time you've ever been there. So, yeah, I guess I guess if I can, then 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 she would. I didn't think this would be possible. I assumed it would be like having to like break in in the middle of the night and like trying to just find like a like an old chapstick thing she used to use, like the garbage can somewhere. I mean, you could definitely do that. This is definitely a theme of this season is people overthinking things, which I'm very much in love with. We should set the building on fire as a distraction. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, if you just walk into Tarsus in the middle of like rush hour, everyone's busy. No one will probably bother you. You can just walk into the the room. Okay. That's If that's the approach you want, you can do a stealth thing. Because remember, this more direct approach will require a conversation. That is true. Um. I think she will try to be, I guess, not stealthy because she she does. I don't think she she has that much faith in her ability to be unseen. But I guess she's trying to like keep low so as not to draw attention. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Just the kind of walk fast and carry a clipboard kind of thing. Yeah, I should note that uh, since there's some time has passed since the end of the Garrick mission, um, just a day or so. Uh, the lower charisma and the no inner monologue have worn off. So you're basically back. Oh, man. That was like my greatest worry is that someone would come up to her and she's just like, just trying to sneak by and grab something from your office so I can send your boss away forever. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you go into the back room of Tarsus and there is a sliver of displaced space that you can kind of pull open to reveal a pocket dimension where Lady Nim makes her office. And she is sitting at her desk that is floating in the void, apparently. This weird blank space. And she sees you come in. And uh, what do you say? Hi. (laughs) How are you? I'd be a lot better if literally a single person in my employ could carry out a mission. Hey, that's what I was here to talk to you about. So I'm trying to get that done. 
However, I, I've run into a bit of an issue when I realized that Claire has basically all the spells that I have without the downside of wild magic. So I was wondering, do you have any weapons that would be uh, very useful for killing her with? And also maybe thematically symbolic? <laughs> Dear, have you heard of a knife? I was six years old when I came into this city. You think I had a knife? <laughs> I find it hard to believe that you do not have that you do not know how to acquire a knife, honey. What is this? Is this a joke? Am I in the middle of some sort of jape or jest? No, because usually when I tell a joke, people are on the floor slapping their knees. You know, <laughs> I'll have to take your word for it. Just, uh, no, I I don't have a knife on me anywhere or anything like that. And everything else in this city requires you to kind of trade value for value, and I don't really have all that much of value. I didn't realize I had hired the world's most incompetent assassin. My apologies. Hey, <laughs> incompetent in preparation to the point and ruthlessly efficient in the practice. Um, roll deception for her to give you a weapon. <laughs> Is and you said I don't have the negative bonus to charisma anymore. Correct. That's why we went let you go home and get dressed so we <laughs> we could justify that. Uh, twenty seven. Whoop. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Turns out getting an item is going to be a lot easier than you thought. <laughs> uh, okay. So Lady Nim just rolls her eyes, just uh, yanks open a drawer on her desk pulls out a letter opener and just tosses it at your feet. Kind of disgusted, but whatever. Go stab your sister, you clawed. Uh-huh. On it. <laughs> I'm going to shoot her the finger guns. <laughs> okay. Uh, she just like, her sigh is audible after you leave this space if you leave right now. It's, it's, her, her sigh, her face palm transcends like space time, <laughs> different dimensions. Yeah, Winifred's sitting at his desk going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, love to take the notes. And then he, he hears like, <laughs> <"Ugh."> <laughs> he like, looks around like, what the hell is that? Like, Winifred loves taking notes, by the way. Is that his, that's his other thing? He makes notes and, and makes preserves? He loves, listen, he's got to keep himself busy. He has a rich mm. interior life. He's a fully fleshed out character. Yep. So Zoe, you leave Lady Nim's office and you're back in Tarsus when you see uh, your sister, Claire Elise Legrand, who kind of like signals you to come over with like a head turn. Like, mm. hey, get over here. Hey. Get over here, Skip. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> um, and she does that thing where you guys sit at the bar not looking at each other. <laughs> while this conversation happens. So I have until the end of the day. How do you know? Wait, did she have you supposed to do something? To get your soul? Oh, right. Never mind. Sorry. That was the player forgetting something for a moment. It's okay. Although I don't really understand what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she said, I have until the end of the day. So we got to do a something. Well, I think I may have something for that, and uh, she's not going to pull out the uh, the letter opener, because she doesn't want to tip her hand to anybody who could be watching, uh -huh. but uh, she's basically going to just kind of give Claire like a, a reassured look, like, I think we might be okay. The quote-unquote, she's like physically going to do air quotes, alliance that was made. I don't know why she's doing air quotes, we're trying to look inconspicuous and we're not talking to each other. <laughs> 
<laughs> but Zoe doesn't get subtlety. Uh, so the uh, alliance we made, I think, might be paying dividends. Oh, okay. Is the eyeball guy going to fix it? Is that... That's what he promised me. He seems trustworthy. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't he be, right? Listen, I'm just trying not to think about it <laughs> at this point. That's that's basically the only way I can keep going at this point. <laughs> can I, like, hide at your house in case this doesn't work out, whatever you're doing? Because I don't know if she's going to come after me or if she's going to, like, wait for me to walk back in here to put myself in the guillotine. But I have to at least pretend like I'm after you. So that's what you need to do. Uh, because if this doesn't work out and Lady Nim comes after the both of us, no matter what, if you're near the avant-garde's, you know, at least I know that Roland and the others would protect you. I guess go home and I'll track you. She makes like huge exaggerated air quotes as well, because it's just fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, mm, good luck. Uh, you know, who needs luck? That's that's what the uh, the powers are. We don't have to rely on luck anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's what hugging tentacles are for. <laughs> <laughs> If I've learned anything from this experience. Please finish that sentence because I'm looking for something. <laughs> uh, it's that uh, I guess all that matters is uh, family. Okay, get out of here, you corny fuck. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, whenever there's a tentacle, you should always hug it. <laughs> uh, is there going to be a montage of Roland building a bunk bed for Zoe's room so that... <laughs> The sisters can share the room. There is now. <laughs> I very much enjoy that image. Um, but Zoe, do you go home with uh, the letter opener to await Gondor's instructions? Well, yeah, I guess she's going to go straight home and try to find Dora. Okay. And basically be like, hey, I did something for Ganny. How does he, like, contact us back when that happens? So, uh, wait, so you were, we're home now? You're at, you're in my room bothering me? Yes. Is that what's happening? <laughs> okay. I've kicked open the door. And you're like, Dora, guess what I did? Uh, yeah. <laughs> out of the way, turtles. I'm trying to not die. In the background, like you have, Rolos, like, don't kick the doors. <laughs> <laughs> you're not my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not our dad. <sighs> and then Winifred says, listen to your dad. I'm going to throw something. Out the door. Okay. <laughs> Probably a crab. Oh shit! Honestly, rude. That's rude to your. Fr that's rude to your friends to throw them around. So you come in, Miriam, and you say like, "Oh, how do I?" Yeah, I think those are my exact words. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, mission. Can he give you a mission? What was it? Tell me everything. Give me the deets, girl. Should I give you the details? Hot goss. I mean, you weren't really forthright in all the details with your mission. You don't have to give me all the details. Whatever. Fine. Don't talk about it. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. My feelings aren't hurt at all. It's fine. I mean, it's to not die. Does that help? You want him to know, to know that you did it. Is that what you're telling me? Well, yeah, like... I mean, he's probably watching you anyway, Um, but we can always write in my Gany book. So I bring out my little diary and be like, Dear Gany... Zoe did a thing for you. She won't tell me what it was because she's really mean. But she did it, and she wanted you to know, I love you. Bye. <laughs> All right, so you send a message to Ganador, who after a moment replies, Place the item on the altar. Yo, Zoe, put that thing on the altar. 
She will do so. She'll take the letter opener out and she will put it on the altar. All right. So you place Lady Nim's letter opener, um, which is a very necessary business instrument for a devil <laughs> crime boss. And you put it on the altar to Gonador, God of Abominations. And it sits <laughs> silently and judgmentally <laughs> in front of you for a moment. And then tiny eyes begin to open up all across its surface. Oh, sweet. Look what you did, Zoe. That's fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and this letter opener, which is now covered in eyes, is staring at you, Zoe. Oh my god, Zoe, did you get a cool pet? Did you get a cool ganny pet? Zoe's just gonna like kinda have like the slack jawed kind of like <laughs> looking back curiously like Hi <laughs> so you introduce yourself to this letter opener. Um, <laughs> its name is Steve. All right, Steve, the eyed letter opener. Uh, it just keeps staring at you, Zoe, and you're staring back. And at some point, and you you don't even notice it happening, you have become hypnotized by this staring contest. And Dora, from your perspective, Zoe's just like staring at this thing, being like, "This is super weird." And then her mouth just kind of gets slack-jawed, and her eyes kind of glaze over, and she's just not present in the room with you right now. What happens if I wiggle her? She wiggles and does not respond. Hmm. And then, Dora, yeah. you get another message, which says, Tell the Traveler that war is coming. Yeah, I was about to go. I'm on it, boss. Don't, now, don't spend the time where she's incapacitated to draw things on her face. That's rude. That's a party foul there, Dora, okay? <laughs> Just saying. I'm too short anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't write things on her arm, okay? That's a party foul. I'm going to throw a blanket over her <laughs> like so she's like a little ghost. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So are you going to explain to us what your level up is now, Lauren? Because you are also spookier. Everyone's getting spookier. Let's get spooky, 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 spooky. I don't know why I'm doing the cha-cha slide. Um, so I got uh, plus one to all my proficiency shit, which is pretty cool. I got another um, the invocation, and I took Ascendant Step, which means I can cast Levitate on myself at will without expending a spell slot. So I can just float, motherfuckers. <laughs> yep. Dora can float forever. It's pretty great. <laughs> Also, you can now reach the uh, cookie jar. <laughs> oh, shit, I can reach everything. Oh, man, I need that in real life. <laughs> now, this is just a total self-insert power fantasy for Laura. It is, it is. It literally is. It's like, oh, I can reach things. <laughs> and then I, um, I have level five spell slot, and I chose scrying for my one spell that I got. So if you want to cast Scrying, which is a spell which allows you to kind of look at a person or place remotely, you have the resources to make that happen, but we're going to need a scene in which you acquire that focus. Which is fine. I'm totally down for that. Okay. Now, if you wanted to, or if you wanted to like wait until I actually need to cast a spell. It's your downtime scene and also your human life that we're spending on this call. That is true. Well, I'm not going to do that right now. Um, I'm going to go tell the Traveler that war is coming. Okay. How do you accomplish that? I'm going to go on down to Azrael's house. All right. So do you knock on the door of the Mind Flayer Azrael? Oh, yeah. Really obnoxiously. Like, hello. <laughs> Come in. Hello. It is I. Hey, it's me. 
your girl Dora, what's up? Uh, he just like gives you a full look over because he has not seen you yet. No, I know. <laughs> yeah, you're the only avant-garde who has not had an interaction with this character. And he says, oh, an acolyte of the eye. Most, uh, most unexpected. Hello. Oh my gosh, you know about Gany? Uh, yes, uh, as far as your gods go, uh, Ganudor is one that uh, we find most amusing. No, yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, <laughs> he's a great dude. That is one description, yes. Um, hey, speaking of Gany, I'm supposed to tell you, I'm pretty sure it's you, because it wasn't the other person I thought it was, so just process of elimination. Um... I'm supposed to tell the traveler that war is coming, so I thought I should tell you, just in case it's you, hey, guess what? War is coming. All right. A lot of that was gibberish, but <laughs> is, this a, is this a message from the eye? Oh, yeah. He tells me to do things, and then I do them. Why does he tell you to do things? Uh, I'm good at... I'm strong and smart, and I'm good at doing things. Let us let us sit for a moment. I need to unpack this because I was sitting here and I was repairing my devices and planning to resume my mission to analyze the Aurora. But uh, now I have received a message from a god. So. Oh, and I brought snacks. I whip out some crab cakes, yo. Uh, <laughs> ah, crabs. Not the brainiest of creatures, but uh, I appreciate the gesture. Yeah, I mean, they're not, no, they're not very brainy, but they are tasty. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have very different taste receptors, but that is fine. So, before we talk of war, which is very troubling. Yeah, no, I no, I agree. I'm small. I don't like, no thanks. Uh, what are you doing here? Not in my house. Oh, well, I used to live in a swamp in the Feywild, and then I met Ganny. And, you know, eventually I plane shifted, which is cool and fun, and did some stuff around, you know, just around. And then he was like, hey, go to this spooky-ass city. And I was like, I... So, he sent you here, but did not tell you why? I guess I could have asked, but I mean, he he gave me so much, I just, I don't mind doing shit. And this is a lot more fun than the swamp anyway. I have lots of friends, and I have... Lots of riches, at least Ilium riches, and, you know, maybe a threesome situation going on. Like, shit's pretty tight here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I was, like, following along with your exposition and character development, and you just threw the threesome thing in, <laughs> and I, I had to stop and be like, what, is, what does squids think of threesomes? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> um, he doesn't, he has no idea what to think about that. Okay, so you were chosen for a mission and not told what the purpose was, which leads me to believe... You were chosen because you would not question it. Does this bother you? Nah, that's fair. Okay. Is there anything else in his machinations and agenda that stands out to you? Because you have you have been brought to me for a reason, presumably. Yeah, but I don't know how much he would want me to tell you about his machinations, you know? Like, let me just say some of it involved converting somebody but that's all i'm gonna say because i don't want him to get mad at me he has a giant spooky eyeball after all you converted someone else to his worship yeah it's pretty cool right how does that help him the prayers cannot get out of this place well i just he, he's a giant eyeball i just kind of assumed he could see in can you describe this uh, conversion a little bit more? You can put it, protect the identities. I don't care about your friends. 
There was a sacrifice. Hot. Yeah, I know, right? Then there was a tentacle, and they hugged the tentacle. And then they had spooky powers. That's usually how it works. That's how it works for me. And then what happened to the tentacle? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, no, uh, I'm sorry. Miss, what happened to the tentacle? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. Is the tentacle loose in the town? Ooh, I hope so. I think this is important, <laughs> little one. Okay, hold on. Uh, what about my Ganny diary or paper or something? And my dear Ganny, is the tentacle loose in the town? Hello, Dora. <laughs> and he, uh, he sees you writing and he says, what that are you doing? Um, oh, I'm asking him if the tentacle's loose in the town. How are you asking him? Nothing can leave. He can see in. He looks. He's got a, he's a giant eyeball. He's got great vision. <laughs> <laughs> Theodora, if I may, have you considered the possibility that Ganador is already here? Oh, I haven't, but that would be so baller. In light of that knowledge, does it not bother you that war is coming? Well, no, that bothers me anyway. He's, like, actively, like, shifting in his seat uncomfortably at this point. It's like, oh, God, this is the worst reality. <laughs> I'm trapped in a prison with an eyeball god and his acolyte of very vague and confused rambling. I ask her questions and she just gives me confusing answers. <laughs> okay, so let us think. War is coming. Between who? Oh no, I mean, I I don't I wasn't here when you left, but until I don't know, a few months ago, things were really chill and everything's been kind of crazy lately. Like the skeletons, there's so many more skeletons. There's corpses being brought to our door. I'm being tracked by weird goo zombies. Oh hey, do you know anything about goo zombies? <laughs> I cannot say that I have any expertise in the necromantic. Okay, yeah, no, it's like it's like zombies, and they come to get me, and then they throw up in my face, which is really, just really, really rude. Um, and then tries to, d it's like the bodies weren't sentient, the goo that drowns me is, and it's trying to kill me. I don't know, it's real spooky, I don't like it. I think the more pressing issue is that a god has told you about a war, and you do not seem to be focused on that, and that is very bothersome. <laughs> I mean, I, I am not saying it's not in the back of my mind worrying me, but there are other very pressing, probably going to happen much sooner things uh, going on in my life right now. All I can think about is why me? What have I done to deserve this? And it occurs to me that the only thing that makes me special is my familiarity with the light that surrounds us. So it, I am led to believe... That this war is for the Aurora itself. Hmm. Well, what do you know about the Aurora? Because I honestly don't really know anything. I never, you know, I had no intention of trying to get out until he told me to do so. Because I kind of like it here. Let's be real. It's pretty. It's pretty a sweet deal. Do you think Ganador is trying to get you out? I don't think he's trying to get me out, no. I think maybe someday he would want me to get out if he had a more pressing, you know, mission elsewhere. But that's why I don't really know anything about the Aurora, because he was never like, hey, figure stuff out about the Aurora. And if I don't feel like doing it, and if Ganey doesn't tell me to do it, I don't do it. <laughs> very, very commendable. I do not think 
this is about trying to figure it out. Gondor does not <laughs> strike me as the knowledge type. He wants to destroy, to control, to deface, to dismember, to disfigure. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. My guess is that it is between the people who wish to maintain it and the people who wish to remove it. But why would somebody wish to maintain it? Is there no one like that? Are not the giants very happy here? Is not the angel bound by some some duty? Are there not refugees hiding? That's true. I never thought about it that way. I think that thing you said about the warden is particularly interesting. What do you mean bound? I just kind of assumed he used, did his warden shit because he's a little goody two-shoes. <laughs> he is an angel of the god of duty. He, in his very essence, is about carrying out tasks and being bound to them by his nature. So if he is here, that is part of who he is. That slimy motherfucker. <laughs> wait, wait a minute mm. here. <laughs> no, no, Dora just doesn't like him. <laughs> I mean, like, like, what is so slimy about being bound by a duty to be here? And also the the irony of uh, you, you, you came here because of... No, leave <laughs> Lauren. Me, Lauren, as a person, knows all these things. I feel like nobody can separate me from my character. No, we're just joking on you. <laughs> So here's what I have to say about this conversation that is happening now. I think I have been looped into this because Ganondorf wants me on his side of this war. Obviously, he wants you on his side as well. The question is, which side? And what to do about that? So my recommendation for you is to make sure you know who your allies are and begin preparing your side. Okay. Are you my ally? I think you're pretty chill. We should be friends. I will tell you this. I do not want to be on the opposite side of the eye. Okay. I will take that as a yes. I'll be back. Don't worry. All right. There's no need to make threats. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't It wasn't a threat. It was, a, it was like, I'm going to come over and we're going to have like a sleepover or something or whatever it is, you know. I've never seen a squid man before, but it's pretty cool. I like your tentacles. Thank you. Uh, bring brains next time. Thank you. Uh, uh, where, yeah, I actually was curious about that, because you gotta eat brains, and that's what got Bumbles in trouble, is because he was like, I have to eat blood, although he had an access to blood. Where would you get your brains? Uh, small animals, mostly. I don't know what kind of brains I'd bring you, but I'll see what I can do. He's like wringing his hands, like neurotically. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the eyes methods are very different. <laughs> I, uh, he is so unpredictable. Yeah, I mean, but like, trust me, I'm like really cool and powerful. Look at my bro. And then I pull out Perry Mason. <laughs> okay. Um, and so he is a squid and you've just set up like a giant flying carnivore thing. And so he like topples backwards out of his chair. And then he's just like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Why? I was having such a nice day. <laughs> no, he's really cool. You can pet a snout. I will pass. All right. <laughs> okay, go back to bed, Perry Mason. All right, so <laughs> are you going to go home and do stuff now? What is your plan, Dora? Oh, actually, there's something I want to do before I go home. Mm-hmm. Dora is like a crazy, you know, like weirdo with no tact. But and that's something that even from season two, she's really into having friends. Mm-hmm. 
says she's going to drop off another little package of crab cakes at Wolf's house. Oh, so in Wolf's dirty field? Yes, in his hole. <laughs> his hole! <laughs> all right, so are you just going to leave them there, or are you actually going to, like, interact with him? Because he does not... Is he home? Uh, yeah, he's probably home. Like, I think you've said a couple times on the show, like, oh, I wanted to be Wolf's friend or something, but if you actually remember the interaction that you had with him, you tried to give him a crab, and he said that he thought that was a bribe, and then you tried to give him a crab again. So he thinks of you as, like, a really untrustworthy, like, corrupt, shitty person? That's fine. Dora doesn't realize that. Okay. I just want to be clear, because I I think, like, Lauren wants to be friends with Wolf, but Dora has done the exact opposite of what he asked for. I think... I, I, no, I know. I think also it's just that Dora doesn't know how to people, like... All right, roll persuasion to people. Is it going? Go. 18. That's not terrible. No, that's very good. So you bring a bunch of crab cakes over to Wolf's patch of land, and he says, uh, What do you want, Popo? Hey! Hi! I just feel kind of bad about, like, our previous, you know, history as dudes. And, like, I just wanted to bring over a peace offering and maybe hang out and, like, do some fun activities or something? Mm-hmm. This seems like some treachery. I can tell these things because I'm a hero now. Oh, you're a hero? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a secret, though. Oh, I won't tell anyone. I have a lot of secrets, too. <gasps> I like secrets. <laughs> oh, really? I love secrets. I'm really good at keeping them. <laughs> All right, so I think that the ending of that scene is like you and Wolf taking the first tentative steps towards not being hostile. Yes. All right. Uh, you also need to find out where Wolf stands on the Aurora thing, because I think my inclination now is he thinks this is a safe place where all his friends are. Oh, yeah. No, it's this recruitment time. Okay. Uh, next up, I think, is Roland, who we last saw bloody and praying in front of his armor. Mm-hmm. How are you? How's your level up? How you feeling? Mm, well, this is like at least a day ahead, right? Yeah, it's the next day. All right, so he's healed up from that. He's level nine, and as a level nine justiciar paladin, it's a pretty mundane level, all things considered. Basically, um, proficiency goes up, and he gets access to ninth level, uh, to, well, to the spells he gains at ninth level, which is uh, third level spells for a paladin as a half caster. Um, as a reminder, paladin... When a paladin gets access to a tier of spells, they know all of them automatically, but they can only prepare a certain number of them per day. And so he has a whole bunch of spells, including two that are always prepared, uh, Beacon of Hope and Dispel Magic. Otherwise, um, you know, he's been in silent contemplation, except for when other people kick doors open in the house. And then throw crabs across the hall. That's not, that's not a way to treat your friends. Says the person, you know, who doesn't have friends. I'll offer. Zoe has been exceptionally quiet since then. <laughs> Though Roland isn't really aware that Zoe is in Dora's room or what else is going. By the way, is Claire already in the house right now? Yeah, after a bit, uh, Claire comes over and she's like hanging out with Winifred in the front room, just like mm -hmm. nervously trying to busy herself by like reading dossiers or whatever. Uh, okay, well, Roland will be seen... Uh, heading down the stairs, still in his regular scale armor and such, uh, holding his, you know, dragon chest set and otherwise, and he notices Claire and just sort of asks, uh, hello there, uh, Claire, isn't it? Yeah, you're the snake charmer guy. S S snake charmer? 
Everyone's talking about it. You did a cool thing in the middle of town with a ghost. Oh, oh, that. Oh, geez, that's a weird way to describe it. <laughs> Is there a reason why you're here right now? Legrand sister stuff. Uh-huh. Well, uh, you're welcome to stay as, well, as long as you'd like. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> did you just animate? <laughs> Yeah, I did. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> JRPG dialogue. <laughs> In any case, uh, Winifred, I'm going to see the warden for a bit. Uh, I will contact you if anything comes up. I will be back hopefully shortly, though. <laughs> Everyone just like looks at you as you finish that, and you just kind of stand there awkwardly, and then you leave. <laughs> He's, yeah, he heads off. It's just like... It's, 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 this, this is weird stuff happening right now. Mm -hmm. Just these people are acting weird. Yeah. And then Dora's acting like Dora. So that's not anything out of line. Anyway, Roland is going to head over to the uh, sacrum to meet with Warden Light briefly. So you, you open the front doors and you start walking over to the pulpit and you hear the door in the back unlock and the rattle of chains and then Warden Light comes out to greet you. And he says, uh, ah, brother Hawklight, I... Hope you've been healing well. Uh, I've managed well enough, I think. A few more scars is hardly anything troubling for me to deal with after, well, what I've been through. Ah, what you've been through is such a mundane way of putting it. <laughs> uh, don't want to dwell too much on it. I felt like after uh, the mission's resolution yesterday and everything that happened, uh, It'd be nice to have a little debriefing. Are you free for a few moments? My time is your time, Brother Hawklet. <sighs> Very well. Uh, if you want to, we can engage in a few rounds of <laughs> dragon chess, but if you're not interested, I understand. I wouldn't deny you your greatest pleasure in life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, they'll settle down. I guess we could do an opening roll just to see kind of where things are to start. Tw crit? I crit. Mm, 21, so it's a... Yeah, 21 to 25 with a crit. So Warden Light takes the first game and he goes, Mmm, I like <laughs> it's good to see that your heroism hasn't gone to your head. Oh. Still mortal. Sassy. So there's a few questions I wanted to ask you, uh, Your Grace. I have asked you many times, <laughs> Brother Hawklight. You can call me Warden. You can call me Light. You can call me Warden Light. You can call me Susan, if it makes you happy. Literally anything but that, please. My apologies, Light. I, uh, I'm still used to referring to people by, well, titles, especially those who are above me in standing. <laughs> We're all equals in this building. When you mentioned who it was who made the mirrors, I, I, was, cu I was curious to know more about them if you didn't mind explaining a little bit about this uh, Lucas. I don't mind. It's just a bit difficult uh, for me to talk about hmm. where to even begin. <laughs> Lucas, Rosemary, Luke to his friends, uh, is from a family of great inventors, the Rosemary's of Lorelei, a gnomish clan famous for their various gizmos and gadgets. But even amongst them, Luke was always... He shone so much brighter than everyone else around him. And uh, 
of course, he had access to the kind of education and resources that would make an angel blush. So perhaps it's not surprising that he had so many achievements and accomplishments to his name, even before I met him. But have you heard of the firearm? Can we just assume that I have, or do you want me to roll for that? Uh, technology is crazy wild because uh, mm-hmm. it evolves at different paces in different places over the vast world. So history check. Uh, 14. Yeah, I think you've heard of it. I don't think you really understand exactly what it is. <sighs> I've I've heard of objects that are held in the hands that erupt flames and noises as, as loud as a cannon. Yes, uh, the Glitter Gold Company, Lucas's family's business, they invented uh, the firearm, a kind of miniaturized version of a ship's cannon. Lucas was instrumental in this this device. It's It can kill a person from miles away without casting any sort of spell. It's a true miracle and a work of genius, but the guilt that he felt for creating such a deadly device... It's, it weighed heavily on him. Mm. And so even though he did not follow the gods that I follow, he prayed every night so passionately, so selfless that I could not help but hear. And so I took it upon myself to make an introduction in what is considered a pretty egregious breach of normal protocol i'm slightly embarrassed to say and um it's a it's a story as old as stories themselves the mortal and the immortal the doomed partnership that can only last for a tragic short amount of time he uh came with me here where we worked tirelessly on a way to bring some sense of order and justice to this place and the mirror Mm -hmm. was his last and greatest invention a device of reformation that is infallible and objective and exists for only for the purposes of making the world a better place Mm. it is his legacy and (laughs) the fact that nobody was being released weighed on me for Longer than I care to admit, but thanks to you and Hmm. Veltari, I feel lighter these days. Thank you. How long has it been since he has, well, passed? He was already quite old when we arrived here. He did not leave the tower. Most of our time here, he worked from his little workshop upstairs, and I do not count the years (laughs) anymore, but it's been quite a while you have my condolences for your loss you have done a fairly astute job of keeping it rather secretive i mean i didn't even know that there was such a person that you that you knew and that they were the ones responsible for these mirrors and how they operate i did not mean to keep it a secret but it's not something that is easy to talk about so Mm. i did not find the need to bring it up. I can't relate on that on that capacity, but I have been presented with some rather troubling news in just the past few days. Something that is causing me a deep amount of grief and leaves me with a sense of 
helplessness with respect to being able to combat a great evil that seems to be acting upon the innocent masses. What is this evil you speak of? I mean, there is a great many evil here, but it seems you have something else in mind. It's an evil that is operating outside the walls of the Aurora, and it's an evil that seems to have infected and corrupted the very ranks of the order that I used to be a member of. That is most troubling, and you have my sympathies, but worrying about things outside the Aurora will only bring you pain. I think it's best to find some way to make peace with that. I can't accept that. I'm sorry. So the Aurora was here before you arrived. Correct. And you've never questioned its its presence or its purpose, if it was even given any. It's not my place to question it. Is there anything that you do question, Your Grace? Ooh. <laughs> Roll chess. <laughs> Nine. Ugh. Fifteen. So. Yeah, his like hand is shaking. Nine to fifteen. You like handily beat him, and he's like having trouble controlling his emotions, which is kind of disturbing for an angel. And he says, "Have you ever heard of the Chaos Comp?" Okay, is it what role would be necessary to see if Roland knows anything about this? Religion. Thirteen. So. You know, you understand that it's a, a religious concept. It's a kind of story. Like there are parables. There are etiologies. So is there one that pertains to the situation, Light? The Chaos Kampf, the story of the battle between good and evil, of law and of chaos, order and disorder, between a hero and a serpent. Every religion has it, except ours, the triad, until yesterday, I believe. Are you referencing... My carrying of that artifact, that snowflake, in order to put it under your watch and under the influence of the mirrors, I assume. I assume it's placed away where it can't harm anyone anymore? It is stored safely. But has it not given you pause? El and the Leviathan, Thor and the Yorgamander, Apollo and the Python, Marduk and Tiamat... Roland and the Hydra. What are you suggesting, Light? Do you not see a pattern? I cannot believe that someone like you would come in here and question the forces of our world so cavalierly. Questioning is merely a step towards understanding. There is wisdom in that, but I caution you to remember that there are greater forces in this world than us. And sometimes we must play our roles, whether or not we understand or agree with their logic. And so what is my role in this? In the past, my role was to be a member of the Knightly Order of the Merciful Sword, to exact justice as viewed under the best interpretations of the words and actions of Tyr, under the influence of officers, higher-ranking paladins, all who are doing things in the best interest of the order and in the people that they're tasked to defend and protect. I choose to believe that everything you've been through 
has led you here to this place to help me bring justice. And you may not like that. You may mourn the people you've lost along the way. You may mourn the people you are still losing outside. But I choose to believe that with all the goodness in you, you will perform your duty as your God asks of you. It's hard to know what the gods ask of me at this time. It's been a while since I've been able to feel any sort of connection to them. Ten on chess roll. Twenty-eight. Sweet Christmas. <laughs> Twenty-eight. You just absolutely wallop him, and he says, I'm sorry if I've been insensitive, but faith is hard. If it were easy, it would not require belief that is what is asked of you and i have faith that you're strong enough to carry that burden if you can't believe in the justice of what we're doing at least believe in the me who believes in you oh my god so you didn't use the prime lost quote but you went right for the girl and the gone quote right my my mind is an enigma <laughs> <laughs> like roland's going to follow up by asking how did Lucas pass away? Time comes for us all, Brother Hawklight. Man and God alike. Everyone, everything dies eventually. And he gets up to leave. Not to intrude any further, Light, but would it be possible to see Lucas's room at some point? Just to see what type of person he was and to understand more about your perspective of our place here. Uh, he looks back over his shoulder at you as he's leaving the room, and he says, I'm afraid I cannot allow that. Everyone needs at least a little bit of privacy. I hope you understand. Of course. And Roland just sort of moves to pack up the dragon chest. And the chains open the door for him, and he walks through, and the door closes and locks behind him. So back in Theodora's room with Zoe. Hey! Hi, <laughs> who is currently undergoing a sort of gonador-induced trance. It's <laughs> still covered in a sheet. So from your perspective, Zoe, you were looking at a <laughs> letter opener covered in eyeballs because that's what our campaign has turned into. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, and suddenly you are in a hallway. It's not like any room you've ever been in before. It's just suddenly as if you were in a different place. And there is just dark obsidian walls and there's torches that line the walls with just this fire that burns with an intensity you've never experienced before and you feel it in this moment it's like a vision but it also feels like you're there like you have bodily sensation in a really uncomfortable way and it's an uncomfortable foreign one like you see you've seen the world in a variety of in a variety of ways because of wild magic but you are vital in like a really strange way. And you like you can look down and you see that your skin is like ghostly pale. And through it, you can almost see the ghostly outline of the blue veins under that skin. I check my wallet to see if it has ID of what my true name is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Lady Nim carries a wallet with a government-issued ID. But... You in this moment kind of take stock of yourself and it's it becomes clear to you that you are basically in a memory 
of Lady Nims because there are limitations to what you can perceive. Like you look around and you see these walls and these torches in this hallway, but there's like a part where this just ends. The space behind you is just void because she doesn't remember what was there. And as you kind of walk down this hallway, you see coming in the other direction, other devilish creatures who are kind of just going about their business in this place. And no one like a cost to you or anything. You were clearly supposed to be there. Um, so you like a huge like red man covered in like chains that are dripping gore just like walks past you as if you're in an office and he's going to the photocopier. I'm just like, hey, you back to work. Work faster. <laughs> and you're just like walking past and down this hallway. And just from the vibe you get is that like these other devils in this place are below you in station. Like they don't meet your gaze and you get the sense that if you, if the, if they were in your path, they would move and not vice versa. Um, so do you want to do anything? Because you have some agency in this, but it'll be like limited by like what she actually did. So I want to give you like freedom to role play with me in this. Uh, okay. So she's going down this hallway towards, was there a particular thing that she was going towards? Yes, uh, she is, you know this because in this memory, that's what she was thinking about. She has a meeting which with the archdevil of this layer of hell. Oh, <laughs> that seems big and important. So, yeah. Uh, so if I can go, like, if I could recall memories she had in that moment or things like that, or things she was thinking of in that moment, mm -hmm. can I choose to basically, like, look into, like, okay, so what devil was she serving or... Yeah. Or, you know, whatever kind of information I get on where her sort of place in the world was at that point. Yes, you can. So, you know that in hell, there are nine layers and each one has an archdevil, which is like the most powerful being on it. They're kind of like gods. Uh, hell doesn't have just like the god of hell. Although there are some gods there, they're mostly trapped in like hell prison. So the archdevils are the closest thing to gods four devils basically and you have a meeting you've been summoned by zariel z-a-r-i-e-l the archdevil of this lair and that's where you're headed she her like office is down this corridor so zoe would have no idea who that is but since i'm currently able to access lame and stuff what would i what is zariel essentially i mean you're gonna see her in a minute but she is ninth most powerful person in hell, which puts her in a running for like most powerful person, period. And uh, she is basically your boss. Like you are very powerful, but you answer to her. All right. Uh, is there any like uh, just to check? Cause I know there are some that are like, oh, well, I'm the demon lord of lies or anything like that. There's no like title or anything that uh, Zariel particularly goes by. She doesn't have like a gimmick. <laughs> she's never wrestling persona yeah exactly she she like the whole thing with devils is that they're a lawful society about uh stature and order and position and like prestige so like she's just like the most powerful and she has the most souls and stuff but she is just like kind of like an angel almost but spookier she has kind of like raven wings instead of like white angel wings and she has like pale skin kind of like yours and she's like just radiating evil at all times, basically. All right. So one last thing I want to kind of see if I can get from this insight before I go following that room. Is there anything from what I'm like noticing about Lady Nim and in, in her memories that she is afraid of? Oh, yeah. I mean, Zariel could 
kill you so hard it would go it would kill you backwards through time so that you never existed <laughs> that seems excessive and terrifying yeah <laughs> in the same way that lady nim is to everyone in ilium zarael is to you and is there any like purpose like uh nim has in life right now just beyond serving her uh not really in this moment okay yeah you're just part of the soul economy in hell until you were summoned all right then yeah i'll I'll go enter into that room and see what uh see what zariel wants all right so as you approach the big huge double doors that go into her office you see outside there is a guard and it is a huge muscle-bound leathery guy with claws and wings and just giant fangs and he's just like wreathed in flames even though he's like just biz cash right now like he that's just his normal state and it strikes you that this is identical to the description of lady nim's animal totem that Mm. sylvia told you guys that's interesting. But he he nods as you walk past him and go into Zariel's office. I want to shoot him finger guns. <laughs> Are you saying Lady Nim wouldn't do finger guns? Because that's vital information to know later. <laughs> I do like the idea that you did it to her and she was just kind of disgusted. But then in the flashback, she does it. <laughs> like this was her younger days. She's like, man. Yeah, she acts too cool for it. But I love finger guns. <laughs> so yeah the, the devil at the door just kind of like looks flummoxed because that doesn't mean anything to them uh but you walk into zariel's office and she is like resplendent on a, a throne of like bones because of course you're in hell right and there's just like waterfalls of blood behind her that this office is the size of like shea stadium or some shit and she's just like chilling because she fucking can uh so I'll, I'll walk in just be like how are you doing? Love the blood fountain. Uh, that is a great touch since the last time I was here. <laughs> she says, oh, I say you took your time getting here, Nim. Please, please call me by my true name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's just, that's just so, <laughs> you had to play that fucking line there. Yeah, like no build up at all. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Fuck it. It's canon. She she. <laughs> She says, you want me to take control of you right now? Like, that seems super inefficient, Nim. Are you okay? Oh, just, uh, I had some edibles earlier, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this this is what happens when you trust your players. No, I love it. I love it because they're all so self-serious. Like, everything's bones and blood and gore and fire. And now they're just going to fucking meme on each other in here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Zariel says, uh, I'm going to need you sharp for your next mission. Are you good to go? Or should I find someone who would more competently execute your position? I'm always good to go. When have I not been a consummate professional? Uh, well, I can think of one particular instance, but uh, we've put that in our past, I think. I mean, it wouldn't hurt to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> wow, powerful edibles, Nim. <laughs> Jesus. So I take it you've heard of the the light that appeared in the prime material? Yes. Quite the interesting development. How interested are you in it? Very much so. I'm very curious to find out what caused it. Ah, so we're on the same page. Good. This will save me having to pitch this. Well, pitch is a misnomer because I tell you what to do, but uh, I need someone who can go find out what the fuck is going on in there? 
I'd be more than happy to do so. What, uh, what information do we have on it thus far? Well, we've tortured every angel we could get our hands on. None of them seem to have the faintest idea of what it is or where it came from, which is incredibly disconcerting. Uh, we assumed it was celestial in origin, but one of them would have known something at this point. I mean, it's hell. We go hard in the paint on the torture, and we, even for us, like, we're breaking out just some real old crusty-ass torture devices and just nothing. Angels today, they make them harder than they used to. <laughs> what was wrong with the old ones? <laughs> they squealed at the first instance of pain. Come on. Nothing. It's just kids today. Ugh. <laughs> Millennials. They're <laughs> killing all the diamonds and they don't break under torture. What's going on? Ugh, I can't stand them. <laughs> and their fashion. It's just all goth lolly cowboy garbage. <laughs> it's all goth lolly cowboy hats. And... <sighs> Dragon Ball Z hair. I hate, yeah, they're, they're the worst. There's nothing I hate more than angels except for millennial angels. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish I could give you more of a briefing, but... Unfortunately, you are the person who is going to find out what is going on, and then we will know. And then the next person who comes into my office, I will tell them what you found out. It has to start somewhere, and it starts with you. I'm honored to play that role, uh, part in this this plan. Well, plan is a bit strong. We're sending you you into a, an incredibly powerful magical anomaly, which we have no idea what it does, where it's from, what it's hiding, who's inside. So, plan. Um, generous. Oh, Zariel, you know I always have a plan. Because I said that, what do you think my plan would be? (laughs) (laughs) I think your plan would be to go in with some allies who are good at gathering information, set up shop, ring every last bit of intel out of any idiot dumb enough to wander in there, assemble the truth from bits and pieces, and then kill every last motherfucker in there, and then bring that info back. That is a wonderful plan. <laughs> it includes so much gore, which I absolutely adore. Yeah, we're big into it. It's big this season. Gore's back. <laughs> Disembowelment is in. It was gone. It's back. The 80s are back. <laughs> we were really into draw- drawing and quartering for last spring, but it's, it's busted now. Drawing and quartering... Tired. You know what's wired? Gore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I lost the train of our conversation, Nim. Um, now, how would I report all this information back to you if nothing can get in and out of the barrier? Well, nothing has emerged yet, but surely someone will figure it out. It won't take long for you to crack that mystery. What, a couple days? Sure, but yeah, what if it's something really important that we, <laughs> we find out there, you know? What ideas do you have in mind? I feel like you're several steps ahead of me right now. Which is interesting because I feel like I really (laughs) need you to (laughs) fill in these last pieces here. I've done a lot of the legwork for you. Except, I mean, I did lay out your entire plan. Um, So out of character, like no one in the world knows how absolute the not leaving thing is. People are just assuming that it's like, oh, there's a shield spell. Someone will break it. Yeah. So, yeah, she doesn't, like, neither of you thought this was going to be a huge thing. You were both super fucking wrong, but... 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 I want to try to turn this into an opportunity to find out as much about how Lady Nim operates as I can, so I'm trying to see if she had any sort of backup plan in place. So, insight, maybe. Sweet. 19. Ooh, very good. So, you know Nim is many things. Vain, 
one of them. She likes to appear large and in charge and mysterious. She likes to be like powerful and aloof. You know that she probably wouldn't reveal to Zariel if she had kind of an ace in the hole on this situation. But you also think that you don't have the power to refuse her. And while you might be interested in this, you actually aren't sure that there's anything of value in there because if there was something in there that was hidden, like a treasure or something, the Aurora should keep people out. Mm. Trapping them inside is weird. It doesn't make any sense, right? Why would you hide something in a place that lets people in? Like, there's just something that's not adding up to you about this whole thing. And there's like, you're trying to keep from Zariel your doubts about this because she would not appreciate that. Uh, Ah, you sound so stupid. Is there any paperwork that needs to be done? (laughs) (laughs) You goobus. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, the first beyond saying, Hey, what's my true name? Which obviously she isn't going to do. I feel like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) she actually does laugh because the thing you're saying is preposterous. It's like, should I leave my social security number in the thieves guild? Oh, she's like, uh, yeah, that's it's really funny. Uh, but for real, should I should I put my my true name down on this? <laughs> uh, roll persuasion with, with Zoe's stats because I just want to see if if it's close enough. Maybe we'll sync. No, <laughs> thirteen. No, okay. So actually, I think this is this is an interesting t- turn here because in what really happened was Nim didn't want to go. And she was like, she had doubts about the whole premise of like the barrier that let people in. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a moment of awkwardness here. Actually, what Zeriel does in response to this is she just fucking teleports like a goddamn inch away from your face with her face. <laughs> like she's just fucking there and in your zone. And you feel like you just stepped into like a, a campfire. Like she's just like physically... Mm-hmm. spiritually and emotionally in your zone. Oh, she's about to get grounded. <laughs> and she says, is there a problem? Maybe. <laughs> uh-huh. Ah, so it comes out. <laughs> I want a front to her. Do you want, okay, roll to front. <laughs> uh, that's what, intimidation? Yeah. <laughs> 19. So what do you say? Because she thought like, oh, I am one of like the top 50 most powerful beings in the universe. She will immediately back down, but you do not. How does that go? No, it's what's, what's up. Got a problem. (laughs) She grabs you by the throat and says, do not test my patience, Barakiel. Sweet. (laughs) Cool. It's all I wanted for. Time to get out of here. Suddenly, Zoe snaps out of the memory, and she has a burn mark on her throat. Oh. Zoe's going to immediately look for the closest piece of paper she could find and write that shit down. All right. Barakayel. B-A-R-A-Q-I-E-L. Yeah, she's writing that down, and then, uh, I guess, like, feeling the tip of her throat and just realize it's, like, burned. Yeah, it actually legitimately hurts. Uh, damn. Uh... But she's going to, like, scoop that piece of paper up into her pocket, mm-hmm. like, fold that up, and then go to go looking for Claire, because yeah. they got her. They got her. All right, so you go out, and you see Claire is, like, <laughs> trying to think of excuses not to have to eat the preserves that Winifred is trying to push on her. 
She's like, no, I had a big lunch. It's it's okay. <laughs> and she sees you coming out and she's like, oh, thank God. And she like <laughs> gets up and like runs away, knocking over a chair in her desperation. And she just kind of grabs you by the arm and takes you up to the roof because she wants to talk to you privately. Okay. Roof party. <laughs> and she says, okay, what'd you do? What'd you got? What's going on? If I have to eat one more fucking jam, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to horf my cookies off this roof. Hey, be nice to Winifred. He works really hard to make those preserves, you know? We're allergic, <laughs> Zoe. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, but still, come on. He he makes a lot of them without anyone asking him to, and you kind of have to indulge, I feel like, from time to time. Look, just be cool. <laughs> uh, by the way, I like how you haven't commented once on the uh, enormous burn mark on my throat. Oh, sorry. I literally didn't notice because my perception isn't great. Um <laughs> <laughs> Our perception is a five. Thank you very much. <laughs> this particular burn is actually uh, the result of getting something that I think might just get us out of this situation. And she's going to unfold the piece of paper and show it to her. And she's going to say, this is Lady Nim's true name. So what do we do with it? I think this lets us exhume some sort of control over the person. Do we think that the word exhume means the same as the word exert? Is that what's going on? I read it <laughs> over the shoulder of Stella's, Stella Rosa once and didn't really know what it meant. And I thought I was going to be smart. I, we, sh- we shouldn't have thrown that word of the day calendar away, Zoe. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have if it hadn't caught fire. <laughs> it was salvageable is what I'm saying. I think we can use this to send her away to not kill us then. All right. Okay. So hold on. Summary. You have the power of an evil god. You have the power of wild magic. You have the power of just regular sorcery. And now you're going to have the power of a super devil? Uh, I guess. Yeah, that seems super fair. Uh, did you want the dark god to have its corruption upon your soul? I'm just saying it seems like super convenient that how far ahead you're coming out on all this. Because you could have just given me a little bit of your soul. And, like, none of this would have happened. And just, like, conveniently, you're, like, superhuman, super elf. None of these feel all that super, in case you hadn't noticed. You didn't let me get the powers that were offered to me. You just pulled me out of the way. Can I have this one? You want to use Lady Nim's true name? Yeah, why not me? Do you think you can handle it? What's that supposed to mean? I'm asking if you think you can handle it. If you can handle it, I can handle it. We can handle the same things. I mean, I can handle things that are taller on the shelf right now. Okay. okay. Oh, is that how it is? <laughs> and Zoe's actually going to stop for a moment. And she's going to be like, this isn't the time for us to do this. It's, it seems like a pretty good time because I think you're doing the Stella thing where it's just like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm just better than everyone all the time. Don't worry about it. Just like this false humility thing. Here, and she'll hand her the paper. Claire takes the paper with Lady Nim's true name, and she says, all right, go get your squad together. We got to go mess this bitch up. Does Claire buy to the temptation of continuing to be a little shit? (laughs) Find out next time. See, it's almost like she's a creature made out of jealousy. Um, (laughs) Anyway, we have one more scene to do. And this one's actually going to take us back in time and a little trip because it starts 
on the night that you guys killed Garrick the Great, and we'll go on till the next day where the rest of this episode has been. That probably sounds more confusing than it is, but because of scheduling reasons, we're going to end with Veltari, who will end her scenes so that everybody can be present for the meeting about how to proceed against Lady Nim. So, without further ado... It's date night! Come on! It's date night, exactly! I had to just, like... (laughs) I've just had you all muted because I've been ready planning this date. Viltari, you've been up to something pretty special. Leveling up. I've I've been <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Let's let's I have some stuff this week and it's gonna be great. <laughs> Alright, so you're a level nine bard now? I am now a level nine bard, and not too much exciting happens at level nine for Veltari. Um the main thing that happens is I get some extra spell slots. I get my first level five spell. And it's a fun one. <laughs> I have selected for my first level 5 spell, Planar Binding. Oh, oh you. <laughs> oh you. I wonder what I might be planning to do with this. It's a spell where you can bind a celestial, an elemental, a fae, or a fiend to my service for 24 hours. Oh jeez, listen, I know that you're kind of a kinky person, but I don't think you need to do that with, you know, with... With Carrie, I think she, I think she's going to comply with whatever you say. <laughs> I mean, it's clearly she's going to help light cosplay because you got to bind in those pecs to get the slim figure. Darn right! Oh, exactly. It's I, it, Warden Light. I know you're nervous about you know getting into cosplay, so I thought I would just like summon you into a circle that you can't leave and force you to do my bidding for twenty four hours, and that's how I'll like get you to get into the fun of cosplay. It'll be great. Ah, uh, youth. To be so rebellious and kinky in your own ways. Uh, the one major hitch is that planar binding has expensive material <laughs> components. Yep. So you're going to need to do a little quest to acquire them, which I'm sure will come up in the rest of your scene. I'm I'm going to need a jewel worth at least a thousand gold, which gets consumed by the spell. And even when I use the spell, there's no guarantee it will work. Uh, what is it? I have to do a charisma saving throw, and if I fail, well, that's gonna be interesting, because I'm only really gonna have one shot at this, so... It takes an hour to cast, you have to be within, like, 60 feet of them, it's, like, very restrictive, but if it works... If it works! If it if it works, it's gonna be a heck of a spell, so, um, yeah, that's, that's gonna be some long-term, uh goals for Veltari trying to uh, set off a new fifth level spell. Alright, so you you have your new spell and now you just gotta assemble it. What else are you gonna do with your time off? Hmm. I wonder what I'm gonna do with my time <laughs> off. It's uh, hmm, so, so many, so many choices. I think I'm gonna do date night. Date night, date night, date night, date night, date night. <laughs> I've been less excited about real sex than you are about this <laughs> fake date. <laughs> Let's be honest, fake magical date night can be anything in the universe. It, it, there are no limits on where it can go, so I'm, you know, I, I'm very excited about getting to go on fictional dates with special magic dream women in, in magic fictional worlds. It's great. So paint me that picture. Like, how? where do we enter the scene? Do you just, like, get ready? Or are we seeing that? Or are you just get right to, like, pour in the champ? Like, how do you want to start? I, I think we start with, like, um, punk rock 
getting getting dressed montage. Uh, I think I think that there's like, how do I look the most badass rocker chick that I can possibly look goes on first. Um, I think we get like during the fashion montage, my um, Manticore is there doing the whole uh, shake the head yes or no routine is being done by the Manticore because that feels like pretty like a pretty good compromise to like to make this work for a bit more of a rockish character. <laughs> I think this is all going along uh, going on with like quite a heavy hard rock like maybe a bit of metal soundtrack going on while I'm trying on like spiked wristbands and things and all of the stuff that like mid 2000s emo teens would wear project runway manticore is a very good mental image i just want to say (laughs) he just has like one claw up to his mouth like hmm no no not this will not do yeah it's like all uh red red and black flashing strobe lights as i walk down the uh the the runway trying all this stuff on the runway of just Bumbershoot's personal possessions that you have thrown on the floor. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I, I shove them to the left and right sides of the room so that there's like a walkway between the crap on the floor so I can just like <laughs> walk back and forth down the room. All right. And so you guys scheduled your date for Tarsus after close, correct? Mm. Yes, we did. So I like the image. You walk over, you're looking like Joan Jet perfect in her prime, just like ready to bust somebody's head open with a guitar and just be awesome. And you open the door to Tarsus and Carrie's there and she's like making a really nice, like tasteful candlelight dinner. And she's like dressed up <laughs> like much more a French restaurant than Guar concert. <laughs> well, this, this is the thing. It's like, I, I'm well aware that, like, that was probably going to be the tone of the night, but, like, I don't think Carrie ever expected anything different out of how I'm dressed. Like, I don't think this is a surprise to her. Alright, so, uh, persuasion with advantage to just work it. Okay. Because she already likes you, but you gotta, you gotta, still gotta put in the work. I, I still gotta work this, so persuasion with advantage. That's plus... I get 18 on the first roll, 16 on the second, so 18. So 18 is pretty good. So you walk into the bar and she like, looks up from like doing some table setting stuff. And she's like, oh, you look really nice. Thank you. Uh, you're looking really, uh, really good yourself this evening. Uh, how, how's your uh, how's your day been? The stains are never going to come out, but that's that's this place. It's fine. They, 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 they tell a story. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're a memorable story now, whatever they were. Uh, yeah. So, uh. I, I assumed you weren't vegetarian. Was that a good assumption? Oh, uh, that's fine. I will eat pretty much anything. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll eat pretty much anything and then just like kind of like wiggles the eyebrows slightly to be like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> does does the manticore need its own seat or <laughs> <laughs> It's alright. The ma- the manticore can, you know, like wait in the corner politely, I think. <laughs> all right so you guys are gonna have a a delightful dinner is there anything in particular you wanted to talk about because she is basically uh putty in your hands i think that like a good place to start is i i you know just wanna i wanna know a little more about her because so far we've only really talked in like very public settings where i've i've just thrown puns at her (laughs) (laughs) i i feel like this is the point where it's like okay i landed the puns 
Now let's get a little more serious. Let's just be like, yeah, I can, I can work slightly more serious Veltari that doesn't rely on puns. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that's just good date etiquette. Ask them about themselves. Yeah, so just like, hey, t- <laughs> tell me a bit about yourself. What's what's your life story? Go, give me the deets. <laughs> I mean, I'm a succubus, so I am like a fiend that corrupts people. But I mean, there's different ways to do that. You know, everyone has their own vices. I am kind of a, you know, what's the word? Bartender? <laughs> so it's it's not one of the sexier vices, but it's 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 a poison that makes you act differently and people pay for it. It's it's a vice that brought me brought me your way very quickly. I uh, I'm not going to deny that it's one that I enjoy. I've never at a loss for marks. <laughs> they just come to me. Well, when when you're trapped in an eternal hell bubble, I feel like drinking is like it's got to be quite a popular way to like ignore the fact that you're trapped here forever. I mean, that's the thing, right? Everywhere is its own little hell bubble, like every town, village and city. And there's always people who feel like they're trapped and want to drink because of that. So it's honestly not that big of a change. Just, you know, some of them are a little more metaphorical and some of them are like, I looked out of my bedroom window this morning and I actually saw the edges of the hell bubble I'm trapped in. (laughs) People create their own hell bubbles wherever they go, their routines and their insecurities and all their baggage. And you just kind of inevitably end up in your own bubble. So it's honestly not the worst way to make a living as a succubus. There, (laughs) There are more inconvenient paths it, it it sounds it sounds like you're talking maybe from experience or is this just from watching people uh come through the bar day in day out uh, i mean i have more experience than most it's uh immortality the whole thing yeah immortality is gonna be a fun 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 deal i imagine it definitely has its perks it has the downside like if i get killed here I go back down, and then it takes, like, a while to regenerate, and that's a super painful ordeal, but you do what you have to. Yeah, I I, I gotta wonder this. Um, I always wonder this about immortality. How, how do you deal with the whole getting attached to people and them, you know, not being immortal thing? Most of us deal with it by not getting attached. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but on a long enough timeline, every celestial and fiend is basically a sociopath after a certain point. Well, that's that's fine. It's as you as you've probably seen in the world. That's not exclusive to people who live forever. It's it's, <laughs> it's all cool. That's true. It's just like people are like, "Oh, angels are so haughty. Oh, how can you be evil twenty four seven, devils?" It's just like. we've seen it all we did it all it's just like nothing new and eventually you know you just get all crusty and jaded yeah you know life has its way of doing that to you even on the small scale i think it's uh uh, it's 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 always easy to see see the worst in the world romantic if you you stick around yeah sorry i'm (laughs) this is you you get you get me alone and i've gone a bit downhill haven't i sorry (laughs) no i mean listen I've been on some bad dates in my life. <laughs> there are no intestines in this room yet, so you're winning at this point. Oh, if if it would make you feel more at home, I can always find some intestines. Well, what's Roland doing? Ah! 
nothing too important. We couldn't we couldn't go get some intestines from him. <laughs> I mean, we definitely got to pencil that in. That's more like a third date kind of activity. Yeah, you know, I, there are some like date activities down the road, but we'll. I I feel like we do fir- first. If, the first date is is flirting puns over drinks. Then we do then we do dinner date. Then we maybe do a fun activity. Then we maybe get rid of Roland's intestines. You know that's that's how I see this going. And then then it's kind of hard to top that. And then you're just doing war crimes on Saturdays just to feel something. It, hey, at least as as long as I've got good company to do war crimes with, that's all good by me. <laughs> um yeah so i mean you guys are just having like a good time yeah the date continues on in that kind of like fun jovial manner for a while and there's a lot of flirty looks and so forth is there anything um more specific you wanted to touch on uh at some point i want to bring something up with carrie that has been on my mind a little bit and it's it's about trying to find the right place in the date to bring this up and make it not feel like this was like some kind of ulterior motive to the date. H- hence the transitional exposition, yeah. I I appreciate the yeah, the the opportunity to transition this into switch around. So Oh, she's a switch. Make no mistake. <laughs> oh, that's that is just <laughs> what I wanted to know. Um <laughs> Um, so at some point in the date, one thing I do want to bring up with her is I want to try and find a way to be like, hey, so this has come up a couple of times with the, uh, the lilies that apparently you, uh, yeah, this is awkward date conversation. It's come up a few times with them that they, they, they want stuff from you and they keep asking me to, uh, maybe get stuff from you. And this is not a thing. I'm not here on the date to be like, you owe money, give me money. What girl doesn't want to hear that? No, I just, just look, they keep, they keep bringing it up. I'm, I'm curious what, what the deal is. Like why, why they're on your tail. I mean, first of all, I have a magnificent tail, so it's natural. Tail buddies, and then I sort of like bring my tail around, like going for like a tail high five. Yeah, tail handhold. Yeah. She says, I, "Just Penny has just been on my fucking dick about this forever. I mean, we've been here so long. You have to find new ways to entertain yourself or to feel like you're making progress. Like, what is the benchmark for achievements in a town where you know everybody and no one needs anything or?" You know, there's just nowhere, there's no mobility or end goal, right? So she, yeah, she's yeah. just like, oh, I got to hit new sales figure. Like, I don't know. She's just, it's her way of amusing herself is to try to be as a greedy little shit at every opportunity. Yeah, that seems about right, if I'm honest. Uh, is is there anything that, like, I can do to help to get her off your back? In the short term, I guess, you could, we could always, you could always help out, but... If it's not one thing, it's another, right? If I'm not selling enough drinks, then I'm going to not be cleaning well enough and not uh, getting good enough deals from newcomers for houses. It's just, it's like a never ending, like we're trapped. (laughs) You have to, you have to give your days meaning. Yeah, that's, it's a bit of a rural deal, isn't it? It's bad, but. It's just gonna get worse, so I'm trying to savor the the current level of bad. I I I get that. It's a don't don't rock the boat in case uh, in case shit bags get even shittier. In case your boss cuts all your fingers off again. 
and I'm going to be honest, I it'd be a real shame if you uh, didn't have any fingers. Luckily, you know, magic exists, but... I will do what I can to make sure you don't at any point lose your fingers, because, again, that that would be a disappointment for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she she definitely giggles at that, and there's there's some fun there, but she also says, like, I mean, if you really want to help, like, get me out of here. Get us out of here. Trust me, I'm working on it. I I have two things I want to do in this town, and one of them is get the hell out of this town. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good priority list. But, I mean, you, you asked, so the answer is Penny and Nim are just going to keep getting more and more petty and more and more vindictive, respectively. So... Like I said, I'm savoring the bad of now. It's going to get worse. And the only thing I can really do about it is hope someone figures out how to pop this bubble. If if I can find a way to get to get anyone out, I will come right here, grab you by the tail and off we run and we will <laughs> we will get the hell out of here. Yeah, I've had ruder exits. So, yeah, sometimes you got to jump out a window. It happens. Yeah. Well, we'll work it out at some point. We won't... Like, I, I talk... Whenever I talk about this place, I say that we're trapped here forever. I, I don't believe that. I think... I think, like, give it give it a few months and we'll be out. I, I, I've got a good <laughs> feeling about stuff. I, I, I reckon... I reckon we're, we were on this. <laughs> That's a, a, an incredible, sexy amount of confidence, considering I've been here for, like, yeah. 50 years. <laughs> a couple months. Damn, she says. Well, like, you know, I I like to to turn up and just like fuck shit up and like there's there's yet to be a place in the world that has kept me held down for more than a few months. So I'm not the praying kind, but <laughs> I I pray for your success. So as the date is continuing, mm-hmm. I do like we joked about it before. I think, but I I do want to like sort of try and do the hand holding thing using tails because i think that's an adorable image it's very adorable i mean we had to leave some mystery here uh because we're we're gentlemen and gentle ladies on this show but like do they hook up is that a thing that we're interested in confirming or i i think if that's on the table i like the thought of that being where this goes okay i i will leave some of it to the, some of it to the imagination yeah i i think i think so yeah <laughs> It, but is before that happens, is there anything like during foreplay? Do you want to be like, by the way, I have a question about the plot. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to work out like how do I make asking about a one thousand gold um <laughs> gem sexy like bedroom talk. Yeah, she takes you back to her room and you're like, so jewelry. I I think <laughs> I think that's maybe a we wake up the following morning and are just kind of chilling in bed conversation is like, hey, so you know, last night was fun. What about expensive gems? <laughs> <laughs> expensive gems. All right, so a persuasion to nail this uh, fucking segue. Okay. Also, nail was probably a bad choice <laughs> of words. Oh, it's no, I'm going to nail this segue. Uh, 25. Sweet Christ. I- <laughs> See, when it comes to, like, flirting roles with Carrie, I've got this. I've yet to have a bad social role with Carrie. So far, everything's been... I think the 18 today is the lowest role I've had with her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's tragic, lonely, small 18. Oh, I know. Doing doing so poorly on my, on my dating quest. So, f- with a 25, 
you casually bring up the possibility of acquiring a jewel sufficient to cast planar binding <laughs> the aforementioned spell which would ruin light's entire scene yep and she says something that valuable probably wouldn't just be sitting out on the table i'm confident that penny has something like that mm. but it's probably like in the stash why what's up I... Are you looking for birthday presents? <laughs> <laughs> I've lost track of what month it is. Uh, months is somewhat irrelevant in here, I think. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I don't even know if that day-night cycle is accurate to days and nights anymore, but um, yeah, there, there are certain people in this town who've done things that I need to, to deal with. Cough, 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 Warden Light. And... Uh, <laughs> The ability to have wooden light under my thumb doesn't seem like a thing that uh, would be a bad card to hold. <laughs> what exactly are you going to do to him if we can get you this? I might as well put my cards on the table and chat to you about this honestly. Um, I was sent here to retrieve Bumbershoot initially by someone who did me a solid for a while. They were, they gave me somewhere to stay and like, you know, stable employment when no one out there really wanted to. And my deal was come here, get Bumbershoot, or deal with the person that prevents me from doing that. And uh, yeah, Warden Lights made the option of, of retrieving Bumbershoot and going home and bringing him back. Not so ever completable, so I, you know, I have thoughts about what to do with Warden Light, but I've been debating it and... The fact that I'm going to need to get a very expensive gemstone to even attempt this means I've got some time to 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 decide the best the the best plan of attack. Huh. So it's a revenge thing. I think there's going to be part revenge, part trying to get him to get this barrier down. I think if there's anyone in this town who knows more than they're telling us about the barrier, it's probably him. If there's even a chance that doing this will get us out, then, like, yeah, I want in. I think it's the best chance we've got, is to get him to give us solid answers about whatever it is he's not telling us. But if it doesn't get us out, and, I mean, after 24 hours, are you going to let him go? Because he's probably going to kill you. <laughs> and if I helped you, he's going to kill me. Or at least put me in a mirror. I am planning to, after that 24 hours... Make sure that he is not a problem. Be be that by walking him into a mirror or by other means. I have a few plans of depending on how things go. Oh, I like the poetic justice, the irony of that. Is that the right use of the word irony? I I don't know. <laughs> it it feels right. Like I okay. I've got twenty four hours to try things. I've got twenty four hours to like find if there's something in in you know, he's done in the past that we can walk him in there for, but considering how many souls he's walked into those mirrors, it would be a little bit of poetic irony to uh, have that be what locks him down for a while. I think this is really dangerous and probably stupid, but... Oh, it is dangerous and stupid. I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, if the results are either we escape or you take him out of the equation and then there's an empty tower, I could use a... Uh, some new digs <laughs> if you catch my drift well if you if you fancy some company in new digs uh you know who to call uh persuasion with advantage again persuasion with advantage right 
nine on the second, so sixteen. Oh, we got it. We got a new low with Carrie. <laughs> yeah, sixteen. She says, "Okay, so if I help you get this gem, you're gonna do your thing, and then, assuming that you don't lose and get us both killed, we either escape together." Or we U-Haul into a new tower. <laughs> we have our own tower. I I think both of those could be uh, could be a lot of fun. So <laughs> yeah, I basically I'm gonna get one shot at this because you only get one of those. I'm I'm not likely to get more than one of those gems in here. And even if I do, if I fail this spell. Things are going to go very bad for me very quick, so there's going to be a bit of an all-or-nothing play, but I feel like if we're ever going to get out of here, I need to do this. You guys are both in bed while you're having this conversation. It's like Game of Thrones <laughs> fucking exposition scene, and she leans in to like whisper something in your ear, um, and she says, I know where she keeps the safe. Oh. Are you up for... A little robbery? I think I could live with a bit of robbery. <laughs> Good. At, at which point I I sort of hold her by the hand and the screen fades back out to black. <laughs> and then the, the manticore like peeks at the door and just like shakes his head and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think that's an, a good way to, to draw that to a close. As always, I'd like to thank Overclocked Remix for our theme music, which includes Acoustic Jam at the Lucifer Alpha, an arrangement of Biohazard from Snatcher, Simply Be Grooved, an arrangement of Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts, and Mystic Chemicals, an arrangement of Mystic Cave and Chemical Plant Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog. Executive producers for July 2017 are Kerstine Haslinger, Jade, Extellaris, Joseph Timbrello, The Cult of Gorfanax, Irving Royale, Andrew Grothen, Paul Mullen, Levi the Young, Luke Powers, Michael Goodell, Brent, Anthony Sauvier, Melissa Nielsen, Dawn, Eugene T., Connor Reynolds, Sarah Likens, Pruitt Holcomb, Artemis BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Bristol, Francois V., Tarka, Shyness, Dennis Pancake Detlefsen, Ripter Stormwolf, Miko from Finland, Dennis Bengston, Josh Mosier, and Diego Van Dane, Allison Ansel, Sydney Marzing, Just a Jester, John Potts, Kevin Dobbins, Savarden Akrasimova, Brady Warner, Kitty Foe, James Neely, Marissa Donaldson, Melanie Joe, Lana Seawolf, Toby Gleason Stack, Ruby Offer, Matthew Weber, Sarah Hanley, Melissa Booker, Cameron Abbas, Dylan, Gary Sayon, Anna Stulfar, Sean, the host of Funk Dunk Plays, Giorgio Renna, Harrison Andrew, Kevin Sidlow, Christopher Charlotte, Jorit, Vigar Arnston, Cody Jackson, August Rue, Athos, and Ingmar Gremmen. 
You can join this list by supporting the show at patreon.com slash And you can also help support Chris at patreon.com slash weekly manga recap. And you can support Laura at patreon.com slash Laura K buzz. You can also help support the show indirectly by finding us on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, YouTube, or probably other places as well, and liking, subscribing, and commenting there. And finally, I just want to thank all of our amazingly talented fan artists out there. You make doing this show infinitely more fun, and I just want to shout out the incredible Cosmignon, Jessica Sims, Eileen, Savarden, Tempest, Levi, and Okie Dokai. I think I speak for everybody here at the show when I say your incredible work inspires us every week to do our best. Thank you.